Thank you, thank you. Praise the Lord Jesus. God is good, amen. amen. He keeps us. You can stay standing. It's all right to stand when we read the word of God, amen. Praise the Lord. Open your Bibles with me, if you would, to the book of Hebrews. Praise the Lord Jesus. It's beautiful. He wants to dance with you, amen. The book of Hebrews chapter 12, and we'll begin reading in verse 5. When you got it, say so. The children are dismissed. As you're saying so, the children are dismissed. The kids don't. I'm sorry. You know, I get a little, a little different today, but I want to make sure our kids get to their classes. Praise the Lord. Hebrews chapter 12, and we'll begin reading in verse 5. Right, when you got to say so, we're all there together. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them, but he for our profit that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, say afterward, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Father, we thank you so very much for this day that you've given us, God, for the opportunity that we have to worship, to adore, to honor, and bless your name, God. You are a gracious Father, Lord God, and Above all, we say happy Father's Day to you, Lord, thanking you so much for fathering us, God, thanking you so much for being the father to the fatherless, Lord God, for helping us as fathers to father our children, Lord God, even when we know not what to do, Lord, and we humble our hearts before your word today, praying, Lord God, that you would not just speak to us as dads, but that you would speak to us as your children. And that you would be glorified in these next few moments and that as we hear your word, that it would sink deep into our hearts, that it would take root and that it would bear fruit, Lord God, for your glory and for your honor, that we would be doers of your word, not just hearers alone, Father. Lord God, I thank you for the privilege to preach and teach your word. May you use me for your glory and your honor. In Jesus' good name, someone said, Amen. you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. And so we are... On our Father's Day 2015, and we are grateful. Can we just give a hand of praise to the fathers? Thank you. Happy Father's Day to all the dads. Um, if you do not have an outline, raise your hand really quickly. If you don't have one, just keep your hand up. So we want to make sure that all that everyone gets an outline. And again, we use these outlines to take notes and also so that way we are able to have discussions. Typically, 
um, during the year from the months of September to May. We have our Connect Life groups that meet weekly. Um, we don't meet during the summertime, but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't meet. So you should meet with someone. I challenged you a couple of weeks ago to utilize these outlines to have conversations among the family. Also, um, to have conversation with people that are not necessarily your family, but people that you may be trying to speak into their lives. Today, I'm going to speak about fathering. And so if you know some fathers that maybe you don't, um, that don't know Jesus, this would be a good opportunity for you to be able to have some conversation with someone that, you know, you've been trying to share with them that may need some direction as a father or some encouragement. And this would be a great opportunity for you to share with them. And so we are talking today about the father's development. And so that is the title of the message. And we're looking at these por this portion of scripture here. And it's a little different for Father's Day, but I, I didn't want to just focus on us as dads, but I wanted us to focus on our Heavenly Father as well. I wanted us to have, have, have the ability to correlate the two, and I really feel this from the depth of my heart, that there is no greater privilege. Now, moms, you may disagree, all right, but I don't think that there is any greater privilege than to be called a dad. Amen? I know the dad should have said amen really loud. Like, that is serious. I mean, like, seriously, I, can I get some support up in this place I'm, from the men, right? I mean, I'm saying, there, I, let's try that again. So there is no greater privilege than to be called dad. Amen. There we go. All right. Some excitement. Thank you, Jesus. Um, ultimately, I, I don't know of anything that is greater than that. I mean, to be called a father, to have, you know, the first time that my daughter, you know, called me daddy, you know, I, I melt my heart. You know, it's, it's um, my son. You know, he says it, and I just want to hear him say it over and over again. It's something special about that, but it's not just a moment in life, but it's, a, it's, it's an experience that we have as dads to be called father, to be called daddy, to be called poppy, whatever it is that your children call you to experience that, but to more than just experience them calling you that, but to be able to be that, to, to know that um, your kids, yesterday we were in the store, and this is pretty funny, <coughs> we were in Walmart, and I don't know what happened in there, but the lights went out. And my whole family was hiding behind me. And so, you know, the point is, <clears throat> I was like, yes, I'm the man, right? I'm wishing like, you know, I was like, you know, what, 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 Liam Nelson, you know, like I was really like the taken guy, like, you know, really, like I'm like, I don't know, man, I'm going to do my best, but I don't have that skill set, you know? Um, so, but ultimately, you know, it feels good, you know, to know that your, your, your children feel protected. I remember my daughter, you know, one time she got sick as um, when she, she was uh, young, probably like four, four or five years old. And I remember she was sitting, she was sitting on the toilet, and she called me to her, and she was like, I see y'all, this, this is a special moment, right? I'm, I'm, exp I'm explaining to you what happened, all right? And so anyway, she's sick. I, I didn't say she was doing anything on the toilet. She was just sitting there anyway, all right? So let's move on so to, the, to the special part, okay? But don't tell her I said that, because she's going to be like, Dad, you were talking about me on the toilet? It's going to be terrible. But anyway... She's sitting down, and she calls me to her, and she's, I mean, she's sick, sick, sick. And she just says, Daddy, pray for me. Oh, you see that, right? The toilet, she forgot about the toilet, right? So, and I was like, you know, when she said that, like, everything inside of me, faith just rose. I'm like, God, heal my daughter, you know? And so the point is, I don't, I don't think that there's a greater privilege. I mean, just sincerely, there's no greater privilege than to be called a dad. And so it is an honor. And again, I just want to say happy Father's Day to all the dads that are here. So we'll continue reading. Look at your outline with me. We are living in a day and age in which the word discipline has received a bad reputation. 
A lot of people disagree. You know, you guys hear me joke often, you know, when I'm preaching through the book of Proverbs and stuff and talking about disciplining our children. I say, I do beat the hell out of my children, right? And so I say that, and then there's some people that get offended, like, oh, my goodness, he hits his children. And, yes, I do. I don't abuse them. Hello, somebody, right? It's, it's a joke when I say beat. I mean, it feels, you know, I mean, I'm just saying a little smack, you know, whatever. I'm like, I'm like, wow, you know, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not doing like the old school Hispanic, every syllable, wow, 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 you know, what is wrong with, no, it ain't, it ain't like that, it's not like that, you know, my hands are heavy enough, one whack is good and we're good to go, let's move on, right? Um, but ultimately, you know, when you, when, when we talk about that, you know, we think about discipline and we look at that word as a negative word a lot of times, we equate it many times with punishment as something that is painful and consequential to wrong behavior. And while it is true, discipline can be painful and many times consequential, it is not always punishment, but at times and always, say always. Always in our relationship with our Heavenly Father, it is for our development, hence the Father's development. As we're looking at the song here, she said, she said that it seems like I'm falling, but he's just letting me learn. It seems like he's letting me go, but he's just letting me turn, right? And so a lot of times we don't understand what exactly is going on in our lives. There's difficulty that's going on. And what we have to realize is that whatever the discipline that is going on in our lives, it's a good thing. And it's for our development, right? And if we're not disciplined, then we're not going to experience the fullness of what God wants us to experience in our lives. And just in general, if you're not disciplined, it's going to be very rare that you're going to experience everything that you could experience. Are you here? Right? I was at a, I was at a graduation the other day, and I, I happened to, I, I made it there just in time. It was at RJ's graduation, and I came in as the last speaker was speaking. And as he was sharing, he talked about what I would call the P, P-E-A of success. And so he said, you know, you can't control anything. He said, but you can, you can control these, these, these three things. He's like, one of them is P. He said, you can be prepared, right? He said, you can control your preparedness. You can't control other stuff. You can control your preparedness. He said, the other one is you could control your effort, right? He said, so you can control your preparedness, you can control your effort, and then the A, you can control your attitude. Hello, somebody, right? So you can't control the outcome. You can't make things happen a certain way, but you can, and the only way that you are going to be disciplined, right, or prepared is if you're disciplined. The only way that you're going to make the the effort that's necessary to get there is what? You're going to have to be disciplined, and the only way you're going to have the right attitude is when it's coming out of that place of discipline, and you're like, hey, man, I've done everything to be prepared, and I've done all this, and so you know what? I want to have that right attitude, and so for us, as the people of God, when we think about this word discipline, it shouldn't be a negative word, and especially when we're dealing with our Father in heaven, because he just wants wants to develop us. He wants us to grow and he wants us to be everything that God has called us to be. And so the one key factor that separates discipline into the category, and this is in your outline, of either punishment or development is motivation. So here's the thing, you know, when I, when I, the other, the other day I went to a, a CrossFit competition a few Sundays ago and I missed you guys a lot, but I did have a good time over there and I had an epiphany when I was there. And it is this, and it is a sad one for me, and it is that I will probably never be on that stage. Just saying, I'm pretty amazing, but not that amazing. I'm just kidding. I'm just not that young. That, that was the real epiphany. Can I tell you? That's why it's sad. Because I realized that I started doing this too late, right? But, but, glory to God, hope is not lost. Hallelujah. Because there is something called the masters. Say the masters, glory to God. See, that's for older guys, right? So, so, so my goal is, amen, so y'all pray for me because in order for me to get to the master's competition level, you know what it's going to take? A lot of discipline. All right, so I'll have to say no to some apple fritters. 
I won't be saying no today, so bless me for Father's Day. Just letting you know, I'm not starting my discipline today. Hallelujah. I'm just kidding. I have one of my amazing coaches here, Jess. She's like, oh, Jason, I'm going to get you. No, I'm just kidding. But anyway, um, Ultimately, when I was there, you know, I realized I'm like, man, you know, it's going to take something. When you look at all of those people that are on that platform, they, they all have a certain level of discipline in their lives. And it's the motivation. Right. And so discipline is painful. Say it's painful. Right. Because when you discipline yourself, like whatever it is, if you're studying, I never forget. I remember a young lady, she was studying for her degree as, as a doctor. And while we were all this was tip, this this was typical while, while she was studying and she was in school, we would all be at the pool or we'd be hanging out at a party. And she would be over in a corner with her book, you know, because she wanted to be around us, but she wasn't talking to us. She wasn't enjoying the time with us. She was sitting in a corner somewhere with a book. Why? Because she was either going to pass or fail. And it depended on what her discipline. And so if we're going to be the things that God wants us to be, then there's going to require this discipline. But when we're looking at discipline, the motivation is what separates the two into either punishment or development. And so God is love and his motivation and our discipline, even, hear me when I say this, even when it is consequential. In other words, even when God is disciplining me because I have been wrong in my behavior, even in that, even when I am disobeying God and he is, he is disciplining me, you know what? God is still never purely punishing me, but he is doing what? He's trying to develop me. He doesn't, he doesn't want to just punish me just to punish me. The same thing for us as parents. We shouldn't just punish our kids because we're mad because they're irritating us, but we should be wanting to develop something in them. We should be wanting to help them to grow. Last, last paragraph here in your outline. In this text, we see the topic of discipline underlining the topic of endurance and preceding the call to encouragement. Understand this. You cannot endure if you don't have discipline, and you will not encourage if you don't have discipline. Are you hearing me? You cannot endure if you don't have what? If you don't have discipline. And you will not encourage others if you don't have discipline. That's just not going to happen. So what God does, he puts this thing of discipline right in the middle of this sandwich of endurance and encouragement. And so he wants us to do those things. And so notice <clears throat> the heart of the Father is for us to endure, be strengthened and strengthening others, and to live holy lives that respond to God as he calls us. God's motivation in our discipline is that we endure to the end and, and in the process, partake of his holiness and bear fruit for his glory. Let me say that again. God's motivation in our discipline is that we endure to the end and in the process that we partake of his holiness and bear fruit for his glory. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down because this is the big idea for the whole message. If you don't get anything, this is it in a nutshell in one sentence. As earthly fathers, our goal must be, I'll say it, I'm going to say it fast and I'll slow down for y'all because I know you write much slower than I speak. But as earthly fathers, our goal must be to image our heavenly father in the discipline and development of our children. Here's a big idea. As earthly fathers, there we go. Our goal must be to image our Heavenly Father in, his, in the discipline and development of our children. I'll say it one more time. We're going to move on, all right? As earthly fathers, our goal must be to image our Heavenly Father in the discipline and development of our children. i say this with me. Discipline is a father's responsibility in the development of his children. 
That's my first point. Discipline is a father's responsibility in the development of his children. Contextually, in the context that we're looking at, the writer was addressing the persecution that was taking place against these believers. He encourages them that this, is the, that, this, that this discipline or chastening is from the Lord. So I want you to think about this for a moment. Because they're going through hardship, they're going through trials, and, and if you read the book of Hebrews, you'll notice that what the writer is doing is he's communicating to them and he's trying to tell them, listen, don't go back to the sacrificial system even though people are persecuting you. Because what they were saying was, these people, the believers, were saying, we no longer need to make sacrifices. We no longer need to do those things that we were doing, but what we can do now is we're free from that, and we worship Jesus, we worship God based upon the sacrifice that Jesus made. But the other Jewish believers that were around them were saying, no, you still have to make these sacrifices. You still have to do these things in order for you to honor and glorify God. And then what God tells them is this, and in, in, in the inspiration God is speaking to them, he tells them, you know what? He says, you right now, he said, are going through this discipline, and this is from the Lord. Now, here's my question for you that I want, because this is the first question that comes to my mind. What did they do to deserve discipline? What did they do to deserve to be disciplined? See, because again, when we think of discipline, we think of the negative. We think of they had to have done something wrong in order for them to be disciplined, right? They had to have done something to deserve. Well, the truth is they hadn't done anything that we know of to be disciplined. The only thing that they had done was what? Is that they made a commitment to Jesus and that brought upon them this persecution. And God is equating this persecution with what? He is equating it with God's chastening or God's discipline of his children. And so when we're looking at this, what we should understand is that... Um, they didn't do anything to deserve discipline that we know of, but discipline was the father's heart. Now, hear me when I say that. Discipline was the father's heart. Why would the father discipline us again? Because he wants to develop us. He wants us to experience what he wants for us in our lives. And the only way that that happens is through discipline. So as children, now look at this. I want you to see this from two places. As God's children, because all of us in here are God's children. As his children, the hardships, the difficulties, the trials, the things that we go through in our lives, what we need to understand is that whether we can trace back in our lives something we did to deserve those things, or we're like, man, I haven't done anything to deserve it, you need to understand this. The heart of the Father is to develop you and develop me. The Father wants to develop us, and the way that he does that is through this thing called discipline. And so the second thing that I want you to see is from, from a father's perspective. As fathers, we should understand the vital role, and dads, I hope you hear this. We should understand the vital role discipline plays in the lives of our children. Now listen, there is nothing wrong with wanting to be the fun and exciting dad. I was looking at, um, you know, some of you probably saw it, um, and we'll, we'll just do a little poll real quick, and it's going to be a poll. You raise your hand if you did. For those of you that are on Facebook, did any of you see the little um, pictures that it was called dads versus moms? Anyone see that? Raise your hand real quick. It was like some crazy pictures. There was one picture there. You'll know if you saw this one. Um, it was it was a, a grocery store picture, and the mom had a, had a had a cart, and the cart was full of groceries. Well, the dad had the stroller, and the kid was covered in groceries. All right, and so. <laughs> So, you know, ultimately, you know, you see that. I, I love the last one. I don't remember what it was, but uh, the, uh, what the mom was doing. I just remember what the dad was doing. I thought this was, this was pretty 
amazing. I wouldn't do this, but, you know, it was something nonetheless that was pretty funny. So the last one, the mom was doing something to play with the child. The dad had a blower, like, you know, for the, to blow, like, you know, sidewalks and stuff like that, right? And he was blowing in the kid's face. So they were like, their cheeks were blowing out and stuff like that, right? So I'm like, yo, that's awesome, right? But ultimately, the point is moms and dads are different. I remember one day we were at, we were at school, at, at Alexa's school, and they, they had this one game, and it was, uh, you had to, like, slide into the area and you had to hold something in your mouth, and then, you know, like, you had to drop things in it. And, well, the dads and the moms, right, we were all standing and looking at man, how is this game going to work? And so the dads are like, well, hey, what we'll do is we'll have the kids hold the bucket over their face, lay down, and the other kids will slide in there. And the mom's like, no, someone's going to get hurt. And we're like, mom's always thinking about safety, man. Like, can we have fun? But anyway, I say all that to say, you know, we should think about safety, dads. Amen, right? Like, we should, we should, de- but the point is, like, for dads, like, we want to be fun, right? We don't want to, we don't, because we're, we're known, like, when you go back, it's what, you know, we're known as the, the whip, like, when dad, well, just wait till dad gets home, right? How many of y'all want that? Just wait till dad gets home, right? Like, how, how many want to be that guy that, oh, wait till dad gets home? Like, oh, my goodness. I want people to be, like, excited that dad is coming home, not, like, wait till dad comes home. The point is this, is that we can mix it up because what happens to us is sometimes we are overly concerned with our children um, being seeing us as fun and exciting rather than developing our children into being children of God. We're more concerned with being the fun guy, with being the guy that's cool, and and, and we're more concerned with those things and being the guy that is really taking the time to discipline his children, the guy that is taking the time to develop his children. And again, please, you you got to get delivered from the negative definition of discipline and understand that this is something that is invaluable to the development of our children. And so I want you to look at this word here, this, this word that is there when he talks about do not despise the chastening of the Lord because this word chastening, it comes from the word paideia in the Greek. It's called paideia. And what it means is this. You've heard me say this definition before because I've used it on different occasions, but what, what the word discipline means or, or um, here or chastening, it means the whole training. Say whole training. It doesn't mean just the spankings. It doesn't mean just the timeouts. It doesn't mean just the negative side, but it means the whole training and education of children, which relates to the cultivation of mind and morals, right? And so we're supposed to develop our kids. See, some of us as dads, even as parents in general, we're real good on the developing of the mind. Like we want our kids to be really good in school. We want them to get a good education. We understand the value of that, but we're not so concerned about the moral side. See, and then on the flip side, some of us, you know, we can, we can disregard, you know, we, we get so spiritual, we can disregard the need for someone to have a good education because we just want our kids to be so moral. But here's the reality. The reality is we're supposed to be concerned with both. And the way that we do this is through, to, it's through four things and really in two categories. One of them is commands and admonitions, right? And so commands and admonitions, that's one category. And the other one is reproof and punishment. And so the first way that we develop our kids are through commands or through direction and through admonition, through, you know, intensely, you know, speaking to them with passion. It doesn't mean yelling at them. It means speaking to them with passion, motivation, like there's something, you know, inside you that you really, it really matters, right? Like that's the first part of it. And then there are reproofs when you rebuke your children and sometimes you have to punish them in order for them to understand the value of things. It's, that's all part of what it means to develop our kids. And so here's the deal. As far 
fathers, we must be committed to the development of our children in instruction. We must be committed to instructing our children. We must be committed to the development of our children in our example. And so dads, it's not enough for us just to tell our kids what to do, right? I've told you this before. My grandfather, who I love dearly, he was not a believer until the last two years of his life. And as he was you know, as I was growing up, my dad would always, 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 I mean, my, my, my grandfather would always tell me stuff. When he knew he was doing something wrong, he would always tell me the famous saying, do as I say, not as I do. Horrible. That, 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 that's, <clears throat> that's almost as bad, almost as bad as the nursery rhyme, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me, right? Like those two statements are the worst statements ever, and yet most people grew up, you know, saying them, learning them, thinking that they're truth. Hello, they're not. It's terrible. And so we as dads must be committed to instructing our kids, but we also must be, 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 be committed to being an example to our children. We must also be committed to correcting and consequencing our children, and it all must be rooted in our love for God and our love for our kids. Are you hearing me? Instruct them. Show them how to do it. And then correct them when they're wrong. In love, dads, in love. Say, in love. Right? No, no. We, we, need to, we, need, we can't be so rough, right? Me as a dad, you know, I, as, as my daughter has gotten older, I've gotten rougher, man. I'm just saying. I need deliverance. Sometimes I'm sitting in my room. Yes, yeah, Saturday morning, I was sitting in my room, and I was just thinking about how, you know, I was, I was meditating on the Lord in my prayer time, and I was thinking, man, you're such a jerk sometimes. Straight up. I was thinking, man, why are you so rough? Like, why, 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 why can't you be more sensitive? I'm like, what's wrong with you? When she was a little baby, you weren't like that. Ultimately, it's not her, it's me, right? You get insensitive, like she should know better or whatever the case is. It doesn't matter. We, we, we have to be sensitive, right? And, and, and that goes with boys, hello, as well as girls. I know like, you know, I, I got I, my son now, you know, I want to just throw him all over the place and be rough with him. But he, you know, hey, man, I can't, <laughs> I'm just saying, I can't just be rough with him, right? You know, I, gotta, I have to teach him to be sensitive or else he's going to be what? He's going to be rough. That's it. He doesn't learn to be sensitive, right? So ultimately, we have to be committed to those things, and we all, it has to be rooted in love. The second thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, discipline, discipline. is a, is a relational, relational affirmation in the father's, the father's development, development of his children. Discipline is a relational affirmation in the father's development of his children. Look at verses 7 through 9 with me. And it says this, it says, if you endure chastening, and a better translation says, you endure discipline or you endure chastening. And the reason why is because God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? Now listen, that is a big statement there. He's saying you are being disciplined because God deals with you as a father deals with children. And then he asks a question like it is unheard of that a person could go through life as a child and not be disciplined by a father. And yet, in our day, many times, we want to not discipline and just act like kids are going to just grow up and be perfect. That's a lie, right? He says, but nobody does that. And so verse 8 says, but if you are without chastening, listen to this, of which all have become partakers. And why are we all partakers? Because we're all children and we're all children of God if we're born again. He said, then you are illegitimate. And one translation literally says, bastards. 
You are illegitimate. You are without father. You are not sons. And verse 9 says, furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the father of spirits and live? And so discipline is a relational affirmation in the father's development of his children. See, biblical discipline takes time and devotion. Say time and devotion. You can't discipline your children if you don't take time for it. It's not going to take five minutes. It's not going to happen in the commercial time. I know you think the commercial time is long enough to get in all the teaching you need your kids to get. It's not going to happen, right? Like, wait till a commercial, I'm going to beat you. No. Right? That, that's, not, that's, that's not good parenting. I'm just saying, right? Like, you know, we're in the middle of a game and, you know, you got to wait till halftime. Halftime's a little longer, but still... Halftime is not long enough, dads, right? Like, we got we to gotta spend some time investing in our children, right? God the Father invests time in us. Now, check this out. I want you to hear what I mean by investing time. God the Father communes with us. In other words, he spends time, just he and I, if we'll spend time with him. He bears with us. In other words, like, you know, sometimes when we are ignorant of stuff, when we are just, you know, we continue to come to him with the same, you know, gripes, the same complaints, the same worries, the same prayers, you know, over and over again like we don't get it I mean I don't know about you man I'm just I'm being honest there are times that I find myself praying the same prayers all the time like haven't I gotten that lesson yet I'm just saying but you know what he does he bears with us he understands us right so he understands us obviously because he created us he sees our heart but he also does something else he seeks to help us understand ourselves and check this out above all he seeks to show and solidify in our hearts the definition of unconditional love that is found in the gospel See, when we talk about God being good and man being sinful, man being separated from God and being on his way to hell, when we talk about that, right, and then we realize that God doesn't die for his friends, he dies for his enemies, right? This is the gospel message, that all of us are without hope on our way to hell, and then God does what? He comes in the form of a man, he dies in our place, and he offers us redemption, he offers us a new life, he offers us salvation, and it wasn't because we were so cute and we were so amazing and because we thought so highly of him we hated him are you here and he died for us and that way we could have eternal life that way we could spend eternity with him he offers that freely not because we deserve it but because he is good you see, and we continue to have that solidified in our hearts. And what God does is he wants to show us this unconditional love. Now, dads, let me ask you a question because I'm talking to dads specifically today. I'm not trying to ignore moms, but does that define you? And I'm not talking about Jesus dying on the cross. None of us are Jesus that are going to die on the cross. But are you a dad that is spending time communion with your kids? Are you a dad that bears with your kids who, are, who should get it but don't necessarily get it? Are you there? Are you a dad that seeks to understand your kids? Are you a dad that doesn't forget that you were once a teenager? That you once had the same crazy thoughts that they had. I know you, never, you, don't, you don't remember those, but hello. Do you, do, do you seek to be like, man, I was that, I was that way, right? And I, I know a lot of times, see, and, and, and it's real easy, right, as, as dads that, you know, now we deal with budgets. Now we deal with real world stuff. And when your kids are dealing with stuff that's not real world to you, it seems like it doesn't matter. It matters to them because that's their budget. Hello, somebody. 
That's their real world stuff. That's really what they're going through. You know, where you're like at a point in your life. And I never forget this. When I was a kid, my grandfather, again, I would ask him, how does this look? And he'd be like, how do you think it looks? I'm like, Grandpa, I think it looks okay, but can you tell me your opinion? He's like, my opinion doesn't matter. It's what you think. You know what he was trying to teach me? It doesn't matter what other people think. You want to know what? I didn't get that until the other day, and I'm still trying to get it. <laughs> Hello, somebody. Amen. Yesterday, I went to the store. We were rushing out of the house, and I had on this shirt and these shorts, and I just, I just ran. I mean, literally ran out the house. I didn't even look in the mirror. We walked into Costco. My daughter says to me, she's like, Dad, don't ever wear that outfit again. I was like... <laughs> I'm like, well, thank you. Now I am walking through Costco thinking I must look horrific here. I'm like, what, is that? what on earth is going on, right? But then, uh, my grandfather came in my head, don't worry about what anybody thinks. I'm like, but I think I look terrible. But anyway, you know, but, but, but the thing is, right, you know, we, we don't understand that. Like, why do those things matter? They just do. But do we seek to help them to understand? And above all things, are we trying to help our kids understand the unconditional love of God? And you know how they best understand it? By seeing it through us. The third thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, discipline is a purposeful requirement in the father's development of his children. Discipline is a purposeful requirement in the father's development of his children. Verses 10 through 11, we'll read that and we'll get ready to close. It says, for they indeed for a few days chasten us as seemed best to them. But he for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. And so the writer is instructing us to remember our earthly fathers and how they disciplined us. And so as fathers, we must realize that there is something here that we see. There's a few things we see here. He says this, look at verse 10. He says, for they indeed for a few days, say a few days, chasten us as seem best. Say seem best to them. So he says here, he says, for indeed for a few days. So what does this tell us? The first thing is that we have a limited window of time. Dads, hear me when I say this, because here's the problem. This is where the struggle is. You know, you heard the saying, the struggle is real. The struggle is real right here. The struggle is real that usually around the years that your kids need the most of your time, you're trying to make the most of your time so you can make the most money. Are you hearing me? You, well, what you're trying to do is you're trying to make sure that they live better than you lived, right? And there's nothing wrong with that, mo that, that, that goal or that motivation. But here's the problem. The problem is when you don't invest the most important time in your kids. Listen, it'll be okay for your kids not to have everything they want and have you. Because if you don't, look, I'm letting you know this right now. Parents complain about this. I was a youth pastor for three years, and so I heard plenty of complaints Right? of parents who thought that I had some kind of magic wand in my back pocket and their kids could sit down with me and in 30 minutes, like halftime, you know, space, right? That I could wave this wand over them, you know, sprinkle some pixie dust on them, blow some, I don't know, I don't know what they wanted from me, but that I was going to be able to deliver their rebellious teenager. Can I tell you something? Their child did not become a rebellious teenager. One day they just went poof, all of a sudden they're rebellious. What happened was, during those important years, the parents were not paying attention. The parents were not following through with their kids the way they should. And listen, there's no such thing as perfect parenting. Amen, somebody. I'm going to get to that point in a second here. 
Because he said there, he said, first of all, it's that the window, right? The window, we, they, 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 for a few days, for a small period of time, he says, but they did what seemed best, right? And so in other words, the first thing is the window is, is small. The second thing is that means that we are limited in our wisdom. And so our parenting is always going to fall short of perfection. Are you here? But what happened with these kids is that as they were growing, they weren't getting the time. And, they, and so parents lose their influence in their children's life when what? When someone else is raising your kids. When someone else is the first one having conversations, and look, we can talk because we're adults in here, most of us, and if you're too young or your kid's too young, cover their ears real quick. But here's the thing. The reality is when I read a book, you know, when should you talk to your kids about sex? And here's the truth. The truth is that that conversation should be one that is continuously happening, and it shouldn't be one time. It's continuously as they grow. But can I tell you something that they make very clear? The first person to have the most impacting conversation about sex in your kid's life is the one your kid's going to listen to from now on. In other words, if that idiot, and I said idiot, okay, in the locker room is the first person to talk to your son or your daughter about sex and you haven't had the conversation with them, you want to know what? That's going to be the person they're listening to. And they're going to keep going to them because they were willing to talk about something that was kind of awkward. Listen, what needs to happen is we need to be the ones that are having those conversations. I thank God for Sister D. She was in a Bible study we were having a few years ago, and the topic came up, you know, when should we, you know, tell our kids about sex? And I, I love Sister I thank God that she's in my connect group because I always get to glean off of her wisdom, glory to God. And she was sitting back there, and she said, let me just say something, Bishop. I said, absolutely. And she was like, you know. You just have to be ready with the answers when your kids come with the questions. Don't shy away from it. Be ready to answer the questions. Be ready to have the conversation. But can I add to that just a little bit? Be ready to ask questions. Find out where your kids are at. See, me, I sit down, I have conversations with, with you know, my daughter at the time, my son, he's obviously too young to know anything right now, but, you know, ultimately, I'm going to have conversation with him, and I'm going to see where he's at, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to probe him so that way I know where I need to be at because I always need to be a step ahead. But if I am not taking the time, hello, somebody. If I am not taking the time to talk to my kids, to have conversation with them, then guess what happens? Then I'm going to miss where they're at, and my kids are way ahead of me, and they think they know everything. And then you know what? They come and tell you, I'm pregnant. Or I got somebody pregnant. And listen, again, there's no such thing as perfect parenting, but we can do better. We can make sure that we're proactive in our parenting and as dads that we're taking that time to realize what it is that we are supposed to do as dads. And so what we have here is we have a limited amount of time and we also have limited wisdom. But can I tell you something? And this is for dads, parents. If we are seeking God with the right goals of parenting, then you know what begins to happen? Our parenting methods and our, and, and our actions begin to image our Heavenly Father. Because we're seeking Him for the limited amount of time that we have, with the limited wisdom that we have, saying, God, I don't know how to do it, but your goals are the best. And so what are the goals that we see here that are written out for us? Because these should be the goals that we have as parents and as dads. He says, for they indeed for a few days chasten us as seemed best to them, but He for our profit. Now look at this, that we may be partakers of His holiness. And so what is it, the goal that God in heaven has for us as kids is that we partake of his holiness, that we partake of his care. In other words, that we are like him. That's what it means. 
It means that we are like him, that we image him, that we reflect him. That's his goal. God's end game is that we reflect him, that we experience what he wants us to be in him. He wants us to do that. And the only way that this happens is through discipline. He does this for us. Continue on in verse 11. He says, now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. So here, here's the thing. There's no question discipline is going to be painful. Next week, when I say no to the apple fritters, it's going to be painful. It is going to hurt. But you know what? I'm going to make it to the masters, glory to God. I'm, I'm going to get there, right? <laughs> Such encouragers, right? They got my back, glory to God. Nevertheless, afterward, say afterward. It yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have heard about it. Is that what it says? To those who have been told about it. No. To those who have been trained by it. Listen, dads, if we want our kids to bear fruit, if we want our kids to partake of the holy character of God, then we need to be part and participant and the training of our children. But here's the beauty of this, is that if we're believing fathers, you know what? God the Father is training us. And you know what we can do? We can reciprocate that training to our children. But it's going to take our time. It's going to take our effort. And we're going to have to say no to some stuff so we can say yes to other things. See, as fathers, and I said this already, we must realize there's a limited window of time in which we can effectively discipline our children for their development, and we are limited in wisdom, meaning we will fall short in our developmental efforts. Yet, if our goal and development are correct and we are seeking God for his wisdom, our efforts and methods will more clearly reflect our Heavenly Father. God wants us to partake of his character. Discipline, hear me when I say this, discipline is not only time-consuming, but it is not always pleasant, yet it is a purposeful requirement for any father who claims to love his children. Let me say that again. It is a purposeful requirement for any father who claims to love his children. I love the example. You say you love your kids all day long. Will you allow them to run into the street? Of course you wouldn't. Why? Because that's, that's saying you don't love them. Yeah, but they're going to scream if I tell them, you know, if I grab them to not run toward the street. It doesn't matter, right? You are not going to let them do something that is going to hurt them. And so it is purposeful for us to be fathers who discipline our children. See, we must commit to the development of our children through the biblical methods of discipline that our Heavenly Father commands. This is not something that is, you know, you can do it if you want to. It's optional. This is something that is commanded in Scripture and exemplified in order to ensure that our children become who God created them to be. And let me break this down like this. God loves us. He commands us. He rewards us or he confronts and consequences us. Let me say it again, dads. God loves us, so we should be loving our children. God commands us, meaning that he directs us, he guides us, he makes clear what the standards are, he calls us to that standard of living, and then he rewards us if we are obedient to his standards, and if we are disobedient, then he does what? He confronts us in love and consequences us because we don't just get a pass because Jesus died. Now, we may not experience eternal consequences because of the those things, but you know what? We do experience consequences now. And if we don't repent, then eternity is around the corner. We'll experience those. And so dads, again, my question is this, where do you need to grow in the development of your children? Where is it, dads, that you need to grow in the development of your children? Maybe it's in the loving part. Maybe, maybe that's where you're lacking. 
Maybe nobody told you they loved you as you were growing up, and that's a sad thing. You know, maybe you were not one of those emotional guys or whatever, as, you know, and so you didn't hear that enough. You know, maybe it's the communicating what God's word requires of them. Maybe it's in that area that it's there. Maybe it's in the area of reward. Maybe you don't reward your kids. You just think, well, they did what they're supposed to do, so that's it. Seriously. Maybe you never pat them on the back. Maybe you never encourage them. Maybe your issue is confrontation. Oh, you deal with that. I'm the fun guy. You deal with all that. Give me the blower, you know. Maybe, I don't, I, I don't know where it is, dads, but, but what, here's what I know. As I know that every one of us that is in here, I, I just confess to you, you know, about me being a jerk. I mean, I'm just being open, right? So I think, I mean, I'm not perfect and I'm not better than anyone in here, but I'm assuming that we can all grow in our parenting, right? So here's what I want to do. I'm going to ask all the dads to stand up real quick, and I'm going to ask you to come to, this, come to this area in the front here. I want to pray with you. And we're going we're gonna to line up here, dads. We're going to get here, and we're going to get shoulder to shoulder, grab each other, put your arm around your brother. And the whole point is that we're not alone in this. God's called us to do this together, make room, spread out to the sides. You got to spread out as much as you can, get tight in the middle. I don't want any brothers alone. If we can, be, if we, if we can get one liner to be good, I don't know if that's going to be able to happen, but praise the Lord. If we can, just keep moving, keep moving, spread out, spread out. Got a football team up in here, glory to God. <laughs> Praise the name of Jesus. And listen, if you didn't put on deodorant today, I'm sorry, bro. Just lift up that arm. We want we this hug each other, glory to God. Come on. Don't be too masculine. Hold on, hold on to someone, glory to God. Hallelujah. Come on, ladies, give give a hand to our dads. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I'm going to ask you to stand up in the congregation as well. Stretch your hands forward as we pray for these dads. Father, I thank you so very much for these men that are here, God. I thank you so much, God, for the calling on our lives to be fathers, Lord God. I thank you for the precious inheritance that you have entrusted us with as dads. And I thank you, Lord God, because we can look to you for wisdom, God. I thank you, God, because we can look to you as an example as a loving and gracious God who gives us so much more than we deserve, my God. You show us unconditional love and, re and continue to affirm it. And even when we fall short and we feel like we have exhausted your love, you show us that there's still more, God. And so, Lord, today, Lord, I pray with my brothers in this place. Lord, I just lift them before you, and I pray that we would stand firm in your word, God. I pray that we would be men after your heart. I pray that we would be men that are seeking your face, God. I pray that you would help us to pursue you with all of our hearts, with all of our soul, with all of our might. I pray that whatever areas there are shortcomings in our lives as fathers, Lord God, that you would help us and you deliver us. Father God, I pray for those things in our childhood that were difficult, that were hard. Father God, those things in our childhood, Lord, that hinder us from being the dads that we want to be. God, give us repentant hearts right now, God, that we would no longer fall into those traps, into those lies, but that we would be your sons first, and, and Lord God, your representative second, my God. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would help us, that even as we are locked in arms together, standing beside one another, that we would connect with other brothers, my God, that we would pray for one another, Lord God, and that we would lift each other up and be there for one another in the times of difficulty, Lord Jesus. Help us to be fathers that are after our Father's heart. 
Help us, God. We pray these things in Jesus' good name. And everybody said, come on, give God a hand of praise. Give a brother a hug on your way back to your seat. Praise the name of Jesus.